Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, good morning. Happy Friday. My name, well, my name is Peter Ogbert. I'm here sitting in for Bill Press today on a Friday, August 25th, the finally Friday edition of the program. But of course, when I host the show, I uh, need to bring in some help because <laughs> no one trusts me to run this by myself. So here I am with the one, the only, the beautifully bald Jonathan Levy. Jonathan, good to see you. It's always a pleasure to see you, Peter. Follow Jonathan on Twitter at Wolf Levy. Follow the show on Twitter at BP Show. Follow me on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. And you can follow Jamie Benson, running the board in there, at DC. Good morning, Peter. Hello, Jamie. How are you? I'm well. What's that smirk? You got a smirk. No, no, no. There's well, something brewing in he's, there. He's right? just coping with the smell in the hallway out here. So I'm not sure what's happening. There's a little bit of a renovation happening in here. They redid the kitchen. They pre-painted the walls. And so it smells like paint, but it also vaguely smells like a dead cab driver. Like maybe when they were putting up some new drywall, a cab driver wandered into it, <laughs> they died, and he's now stuck in the wall. Something really smells like... I have a confession. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I cook meth in here overnight. <laughs> there was an overdose. Things got a little messy. Hey, things happen, man. Look. You got to have a side hustle, Jamie. Yeah, there's no judgment here. Jonathan's the cleaner. He's he's here to take care of my mess. He's, yeah. he's my meth guy. He's Mr. Wolf. My meth accident guy. Yeah. Well, folks, we got a great show today. Uh, we're going to be talking to Jane O'Donnell, healthcare policy reporter from USA Today. How will we talk about healthcare policy on the show? Well, we're going to talk about the health of our president, Donald Trump. The most he's, healthy president he is who's very ever healthy. presidented in American presidential yeah. presidency. We're gonna we're gonna debunk the myth that the body actually renews energy. That there's a finite <laughs> amount of energy in the body that you use up if you exercise. Uh, also, uh, Elizabeth Wydra, our friend, the president for the Constitutional Accountability Center, and in the final hour of the program, Yam Joseph from Talking Points Memo joins us in studio. So stay tuned. We've got all of that stuff coming up. But first, Jamie Benson. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. We begin with Hurricane Harvey. Wow, this is looking like a pretty big storm. Currently a Category 2 hurricane, but on track to become a Category 3 with winds of at least 111 miles an hour by the time it hits the Middle Texas coast. Mm. Later today or early tomorrow morning, 
It's dangerously approaching the Texas coast right now. It could bring up to 35 inches of rainfall, destructive waves, and floodwaters. Those floodwaters could get as high as 6 to 12 feet above ground level. For a state like Texas, that's no good. After hitting Corpus Christi, the storm is expected to stall over the state. So, I mean, I on my Twitter feed this morning, all I see is... Texas journalists uh, from Houston to Dallas to San Antonio, everyone's getting extremely serious about this. This could be a bad storm. I have a lot of things to say about this. I'm going to say it right after this, uh, right after a little break here. So stay tuned for that because this could be very, very bad. Yeah, we may be talking about this a lot next week. Uh, The big news in the food world or maybe the grocery store world is an announcement from Amazon and Whole Foods. You may remember, of course, Amazon acquiring Whole Foods a couple months back. I thought you were going to say you may remember Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) You might remember Amazon. Amazon is still very present in all of our lives. From such drunken purchases as everything in my house. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, Jamie. Amazon has announced that starting on Monday, they will be lowering prices on a selection of the best-selling grocery staples across its store with more to come. Those selections include avocados, brown eggs, salmon, almond butter, apples, and rotisserie chicken. All of those items, by the way, that I mentioned, organic. Yeah, that's right. Every single thing except salmon that you just listed, I bought from Whole Foods this week. This is the most relevant. It's going to change your life, huh? This is the most relevant news to me. Oh, nice. Are you an Amazon Prime member? You got to be Prime member, right? No, you don't have to be, but Prime members will get additional discounts if they go into Whole Foods. Do I look like not a prime member. (laughs) (laughs) On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Bill Press Show. It is a Friday, August 25th, all day long. Thank you for being here. My name is Peter Ogburn. Couldn't do the show without you, ladies and gentlemen, viewing and watching wherever you are. I also couldn't do the show without the heart of my hearts, the sun to my moon, Jonathan Levy. Uh, in studio with us for the entire show today. My total heart has been eclipsed today <laughs> by you. I'd just like to say, we just did a full court press. We mentioned did. the Amazon uh, thing. In speaking about it, I have gotten two separate emails from Amazon within that set uh, since we said that, uh, talked about it. It's always almost like watching. it's listening. Talk always about watching. a full court press yeah. right there, always huh? Always listening, always. You must obey. You must obey. Amazon is running a full-court press on your inbox. Yeah, they are. That's it. Well done product integration there, Jamie. (laughs) You get that sports reference, Jonathan? That's called synergy. Yes. (laughs) I understand sport ball. The ceiling is the roof, Jamie. Hashtag sports. The ceiling is the roof. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. Just a couple of quick pluggy plugs here. Uh, Watch us. Uh, YouTube. Look at Jamie eating his yogurt uh, the moment we start the show. I went for a run this morning. I'm starving. Humble brag. Yeah. A little bit. That's, that's a, little little bit. That a little bit, huh? There's no humble. There's no humble in that. <laughs> My rap name, Lil Bit. <laughs> Lil, <laughs> Lil Bit. Oh, man. Uh, so anyway, with the pluggy plugs, uh, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show is where you put, we put all of our video. Oh, I thought uh, you were plugging yogurt. No. No, that's not the road. Shout out Giovanni. Uh, go check out all the videos. All about we that put play life. The full show, plus snippets from the show. We I'm also a Faye guy. Oh, he's a Faye. Oh. Is it a Faye crossover? It's not Faye? 
It's Faye. It's it's on the side. Yeah, pronounced Faye. Yeah, it's, it's Faye. Very they much put a helpful, spelled like that. They put a helpful yogurt, pronunciation please. on the thing. Send me free yogurt. Yeah. Faye. <laughs> Bill's going to cut you if he knows that you're not eating Chobani. He is ride or die Chobani. Really? Member of the Chobani caucus. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's part of the Chobani caucus. There's a Chobani caucus. I feel like that means something different than I think it means. <laughs> nope. Well, let's not go down that road. <laughs> Look, folks, get the podcast on <laughs> iTunes. Just look for The Bill Price Show. I'm sorry, are you trying to do uh, housekeeping here? This is unbelievable. This you is thought good. I was going to take you off the rails yesterday. We're like He's two in here minutes now. into the show. I just got another Amazon email. What I the hell is happening? You must obey. <laughs> so, he does. He has three Amazon at the top of his inbox. One, two, three. Jonathan, what are you doing? <laughs> so, important things in the world. All right, folks. So, one of the things Jamie talked about, uh, during full court press was Hurricane Harvey. It's Category 2. It looks like it could be a Category 3, and it's heading towards the coast of Texas. Now, here's the thing. Texas, I, I lived in San Antonio, not far. I mean, that's it's like could get hit by this, even though it's a little more inland. Uh, but the thing you got to know about San Antonio, and a lot of that the, those, those places there in, in sort of central Texas, is they flood incredibly easily. Very, very easily. It's, it all sits on a giant aquifer. And once it, I mean, if it rains a little bit, you're talking flash floods and serious flooding. There are stories about the, like, when it floods and the snakes that all get kind of tied together to, so they could survive in the water. Like and a snake king? Like a snake king. And the fire ants. Shut no, I'm up. serious. I'm dead serious. And that way they can survive. There are, there are rafts of fire ants that sort of join together and create. Just this, like, slick of fire ants on top of the water. Because if they all join together, they can stay afloat. It's the book of revelations. When it floods in Texas, it is not pretty. I mean, to be clear, most things in Texas resemble the book of revelations. Fair. But I say that as someone who was born in Texas. But yeah. I love Texas. A snake king is about the scariest thing you it's can tell It's terrifying. Well, you were born in Texas? I was born in Bryan College Station, Texas. No. Can't you tell? Yeah. Can't you tell, partner? I, uh, <laughs> at about a... Two or three, I said, uh, I came home from my uh, from school and I said something to my parents about the brown ground, and my mother turned to my father and said, we're moving. <laughs> That's how I ended up in D.C. I DC. will not have a child yeah. that is a hayseed. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I, w- I was thinking about on the way over here, Peter, and uh, you and I talked about this briefly uh, before the show started. We, when we first launched the Bill Press show, lo, these many years ago together. Yeah. Um, Twelve we, years ago. Yeah. In the, in the first year. Yeah was Hurricane Katrina, the last time there was a major landfall of a hurricane that really did damage like yeah. this. And you and I were on the air on a Friday, I believe, when it hit. Yeah. And we didn't quite grasp what was going to come afterwards. No. We, we knew it was a big storm. I mean, you remember the morning after it hit, it was still sort of like the tail end of the storm that yeah. next morning. New Orleans dodges a bullet. Yeah. That, no, no, was, that was the headline everybody. that morning. And then it turns out that it was, you know, the catastrophe that it was. Because it was the levees that broke. Yeah. It wasn't the, the you storm. know, the storm. And that's what we have to watch for here. That and Snake Kings. And Snake Kings. Do you know kings. what sucks about all this? Mm. It's already gotten political. Well, look, you're this, right. It has. This is political, Did you see this man. tweet from Sheriff David Clark? I saw that. No, I the didn't. The low-life uh, sheriff where four people died he kills in his inmates. jail. Yeah. yeah. Democrat I made sure he Milwaukee. knew that this morning. David A. Clark Jr. on Twitter tweeting uh, this, last night, excuse me, Democrats and lib media are no doubt hoping for Hurricane Harvey to make a direct hit on Texas Jesus. so they can blame real Donald Trump. Oh, I won't say what he said afterward, but. Thank you. Just. 
inappropriate. Here's he, yeah. he, here's here's something that I am genuinely, honestly concerned about. Uh, Donald Trump has not really put much time and effort into anything. Like, in, in, in anything, yes, into anything would be a correct statement, but specifically the functions of government, right? So, like, we leave the State Department without a you know a ton of diplomats and staffers that need to be there. There are all kinds of federal agencies that are woefully understaffed. I mean, they don't even have a secretary at top of the State Department who doesn't want to take a nap all the time. Right. And so we've got a government that's that's gutted. We and that and that has the, the positions have not been filled. And I don't think FEMA They do. They do have a they, they do have, have an administrator. They have an administrator. By the way, do you know his name? Brock Long. Isn't that great? Brock Long. I feel pretty good. And I, I feel good. I feel just, pretty good just about by, just based on the fact that his name is Brock Long. And to and to be fair, Brock Long looks like he is an actually experienced person. Sure. When we were when he we also were, has a very porny name. Yeah. Or a wrestler, or a oh yeah, there's, MMA there's fighter, a thin line. superhero. If if you have ever watched gay porn and uh, MMA, the Can, difference you, between the two. Have. The, listen, <laughs> are there are there cauliflower ears in gay porn? <laughs> it's something porn very. It's something everything. very there's different. There's a porn for everything. Cauliflower ear means something very, oh, oh, very no, different. Jonathan, no, look, folks, do not go to Urban Dictionary <laughs> right now. Um, but there. Uh, Brock Long actually looks like he's a qualified human being. Sure. And what we saw during uh, during Katrina was Brownie was on top of FEMA. Those of you who remember heck of a job, Brownie, yeah. uh, who I believe his previous job was as an Arabian horse. Show horse. Uh, show horse. Yeah, uh, he was judge. a show horse. Judge or trainer or something like that. Maybe both. I mean, <laughs> once you're in that world, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little big, bit of a revolving once you get your door. Once that door, it's pretty big door. Um, so uh, I, I want to address what uh, what uh, Sheriff Clark. Gosh, it's hard not to say the words that I want to say when I uh, when I mention that man. But yeah. you know, there there are rules and regulations we're dealing with here. Uh, <laughs> what Sheriff Clark said. There, I do not like Donald Trump. I want Donald Trump to be gone as president. There is nothing I hope for more than who he has put in place with Brock Long and everyone else at FEMA does their job and saves lives. There is no qualms about this. This is not about politics. Not at all. This is about human life. And that is a big difference between, you know, the Sheriff Clarks and the uh, these, uh, you know, frothing at the mouth right wing psychopaths. They actually do want one side to fail no matter what the cost is. And this is something that it is not partisan. It is just about lives. I am hoping that Donald Trump did what Obama did. And he took FEMA that had been relegated to kind of, you know, second, third tier status and made it a cabinet level position. Yeah. He said we have to be ready and prepared on everything here. I hope he has through pure inertia because I know he hasn't done it on purpose, but I hope through pure inertia FEMA is still in good hands. <sighs> you, you mean that the, that the deep state is uh, running FEMA yeah, the way that it should be? Exactly. I, look, the way, all of what, when we talk about this and we talk about what's happening with the hurricane and we talk about what could happen, just to back up your point, Jonathan, I hope it works. I really do. But I mean, I am fearful. That's where this comes from. Not out of hope that something bad happens. You should absolutely be fearful. But I'm horrified that we're not going to be ready for this. You should be. I mean, you remember. When we were doing the show, George W. Bush was not a popular president. No, any, Ra- by, Iraq War was uh, by any stretch was, was starting to uh, 
turn. And they it was starting to turn, and I think that among people who were paying attention, everyone knew that George W. Bush was up until that point, the worst president we had ever seen. That's a that's a that's a record that's not gonna hold. I don't think that one's gonna last <laughs> much longer. Uh, but after Katrina, I think that was a real moment where people said, oh my God, all of this anti-government bias and the government is bad and the government's out to get you and all of this, at least temporarily, <laughs> was lifted and people go, oh yeah, no, we need that stuff and we need someone who knows what they're doing and we'll take this seriously, not put some sort of a Arabian showrunner, Arabian horse runner yeah. uh, in charge of FEMA. There's also, if Donald Trump feels in any way that the coverage of this hurricane is politicized yeah. or is, if anything to his responses uh, in how the government responds to it is attacked, he is going to go thermonuclear yeah. on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. He is going to not say, you know what, we got to focus on the rebuild or whatever we need to do, and he's going to make it into politics because the man can't do anything but swing wildly at his perceived ghosts. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So sending good thoughts to Texas because that could be a very dicey, dicey situation, and uh, I hope it goes. I hope it goes really, really well. Now, if you were listening to yesterday's or watching yesterday's show, uh, you know that I recently got back from the Great American South. I grew up there. I spent a lot of time there. My family is still down there. Uh, last month, I had a very interesting swing from uh, Charleston, South Carolina to Birmingham, Alabama, which if you think that the Trump uh, fever is dying off in the South, go visit Alabama, folks. They no still thanks. love him down there. They're, they're, it is still very much Trump country. C- considering Roy Moore is about to become the next senator from Alabama, I don't think I'm welcome there. Yeah, I don't think so either. I wouldn't go down there if I were you. But I, I mean... It, by the way, we had a reporter of ours uh, let us know yesterday that Roy Moore is not giving any interviews with reporters. No interviews, no public events. In the, re- the entire run-up of the race. Why would he? Yeah, sure. Roy Moore has said very clearly what he needs to to his base, yeah. and it's the bat, crap, crazy stuff that they love. Yeah. I mean, it, Trump has supported Strange, but Moore is actually much more in the uh, the mold of Trump. It's the kind of evil, bigoted, xenophobic you know, claptrap way of uh, riling up the base. So Moore has said it already. Yeah. The only thing that can, he can do by giving a, uh, an interview or talking to anyone is say it again, mm-hmm. which means it gets coverage and people have to tut-tut and pretend they don't like it. They love it down there. He's good. Yeah, I think so, too. Hey, the latest poll, Washington Examiner, he's up four points on Luther Strange. Yeah, I think, I think that poll is uh, optimistic for Strange. How? Yeah. Look, I mean... We should. I mean, we should want a guy that's named Senator Strange. That for for no other reason, right? Like, well, his name is Big Luther. So Big Luther yes, Strange. We should I mean, as a big government, have a senator named Big Luther. As a big government Democrat, I of course want Senator Moore. Yeah, true. Because always give me more. We've gone off the rails here slightly. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> my point here is high level political analysis. I I've spent a lot of time in the South here recently visiting family and. Uh, I'm kind of discouraged because, like, I came from there. I've seen a lot of really horrible racist things, and I have had this long, ongoing uh, fascination with the South. Because I will say this, and I say I've said this often: there is something about being in the South and growing up in the South and spending time in the South that 
unlike other parts of the country, they do throw its racist past right in your face. Oh, yeah. And they force you to confront it, right? Like, there are other, uh, having lived in, like, Ohio, which is, I've seen some... Plenty racist. Plenty of racists in Ohio, but, like... In South Carolina and Alabama, Mississippi, like, Mississippi, I, you spent time in Mississippi. So I, you know, I, I, I ran a campaign in Mississippi a few years ago, and I had forgotten until I literally got off the plane in the airport that the Mississippi flag still has the Confederate Stars flag and bars. in its corner. Yeah, still does. I, I, I actually asked a, an African-American woman who worked with me on that campaign uh, who was from Mississippi. I said, what, what's it like? I mean, is it just something you're used to? And she goes, oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's a daily reminder that I am a second-class citizen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when I first started in radio, the big fight was the Confederate flag that flew on top of the state capitol. Wow, how things have changed. No one's fighting over that anymore. I know. And this but, was 20 years ago. Yep. Last Wednesday, we had Van Newkirk in here from The Atlantic. Always, yep. always fantastic. Yeah. And wrote about this issue for The Atlantic this week. Talked to us about it last week, about how communities of color feel about Confederate monuments. If you haven't had a chance to check out that interview, go back on iTunes last Wednesday. I believe the podcast is aptly titled... A racist president. So go look for that on iTunes. Bill Presho, a racist president, Van Newkirk's interview with us. Man, Jamie is killing the uh, Bill Presho integration. I'm telling you, man. It's all about that synergy. Yeah. That millennial marketing. There he is. <laughs> got that gene. <laughs> so, uh, you know, all this stuff about the flag and the Confederate monuments that a lot of folks want to see come down. Here we are still, still fighting over this all these years later. And I will say, the one good thing about all this is we are having a national discussion about it. It's not just a regional, you know, uh, discussion among Southerners about what to do because these Confederate monument monuments are everywhere. And so, should the monuments come down? In my opinion, yeah, absolutely, right. And I didn't necessarily always feel that way because I, I, I again, to get back to my point of. The South Carolina puts their history in your face and forces you to confront it. This is a different thing. This is a different thing. Having been educated on it, and I think a lot of people should, this is a different thing. And it's it's an important, you know, it's a hard thing because education is important. Yeah. People people come at this, like you said, from very different points of view. I feel very strongly that they are monuments to racism. Yeah. That being said, that's not necessarily the way you make progress is by screaming that. No, I agree. And, I, I, I think that there's a lot of bad arguments being yes. made on the other uh, on our side. Um, but what I think you're touching on something interesting here, Peter, which is new I territory. touch lots of interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Go ahead. I don't know how to follow that. I'm um, sorry. I, actually, yes, I do. <laughs> um, no, it's it's about what what the culture in the South is. And this, look, I, you know, we, I stated earlier I was born in Texas, but I, I moved to the East Coast when I was three. I am a East Coast liberal elitist gay Jew. Yeah. Like, there, there is no question about sort of where I fit on the ideological spectrum. Um, I was raised by liberal intellectual parents. I view the world- <laughs> Communists. Very, yeah, oh no, no. <laughs> yeah. They were uh, Jewish <laughs> academics. Um, <laughs> Uh, there, there is a, uh, to me, I don't, I, I don't understand a lot of times the, the Southern viewpoint. And I, I think I caricaturize it. Uh, it, it it's, there's something I, I've become sort of more aware of that, uh, in my liberal bias, I see all the time is sort of like the Southern caricature. Yeah. And I can't, t it's, you know, the Yahoo you see in a two second click clip saying something racist with a tooth dangling out of their mouth that I like to, you know, 
people like me look at it and we go, yep, that's the South. But I realize this is done by Fox News for black people, for Hispanic people, for liberals, where they take the craziest, most extreme element and say that is the avatar that's for, the everybody. People, that, for the people. So uh, I, I want to talk to you about, like, we, we've seen some things recently. Uh, we, we have a clip of, uh, of a gentleman who's actually suing to take down the, uh, the or to... Uh, to keep the Confederate monuments keep the up. Confederate monuments uh, up in South Carolina. I, I, I want to play this clip just to set this up. This is a man named uh, Russell Walker from York, South Carolina, and he's so upset that these Confederate monuments are coming down. This is actually about the flag in a courtroom. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we both screwed that up. Anyway, Jamie saves the day. Here's here's Russell. Uh, we'll that, that's, in post. that's the least. That's that's the least important part of this clip. Here's Russell Walker talking about Confederate heritage and and also sort of like well here's russell um again i don't believe it's a symbol of racism i don't believe it's a symbol of slavery that's my personal view but how they feel is their business but they it would be it would be ludicrous for me to tell you how they feel okay so just like i've heard that argument my entire life the confederate flag is about heritage and not hate and if you are someone who comes from a background where your family made their name and brought their family up in the South, and that really, really, really means something to you to have this flag, I get that that's a powerful thing, and being raised in that environment is hard to break free from, especially if you're an older guy like this guy, Russell Walker, but there is a stubbornness and a an and aggressive ignorance uh, about that. And There's, if we take that argument just on its face, I can say I understand why he would feel that way, but I don't understand why he wouldn't educate himself and listen to other voices to tell him that the times have changed. Now, as you know, there's a second part to this clip. Yes, 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 yes. I'm getting and to that. It is, this is where my real question for you kind of comes yes. in. Well, can we hear Russell Walker's yeah. second que- uh, second uh, clip? Hey, I get down the street, I see Martin, Martin Luther King. Um, I shouldn't say that. Martin Luther King. I mean, Martin should Luther I rip, the, should I rip the, the signs down or, or insist that they, they, they take Martin, Martin Luther King Street down and arrest that stuff? So here's, the th- here's my Martin question. Luther yeah. Martin I, Luther Coon. He shouldn't Kuhn. say that. Um, he shouldn't say that. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say that. So to me, to the guy not growing up around this. Yeah. My caricature is that first clip we played is always tied to someone who thinks the way that he does, as we see in the second clip. Yeah. And what I want to ask you, and look, you're not an, you're not a spokesperson for all the South. Hi. But you know, you were raised in South Carolina. You went to college in Alabama. I know that guy. Like, I know that guy. I've, that is not the first time I've heard that phrase. Right. And that's and it's it is literally the first time I've ever heard that yeah. phrase. I had a teacher say that one time Did when we really? had school off for Martin Luther King Day. And if you remember, there used to actually be a debate because in Arizona, they didn't celebrate. They didn't commemorate right. Martin Luther King Day. They right. Nobody got the day off. They didn't commemorate it. They didn't recognize it at all. And I had a teacher tell us that we had Monday off for Martin Luther Coon Day. That's unbelievable to me. And so... And by the way, that's not the only time I've heard that. Like, that is... that. It's like, it's out there. So to your point of... Can you be for heritage, not hate, while also not saying and having 
racist thoughts and racist comments and a racist view of the world? I really don't think so. Yeah. I really not anymore. And I and, 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 and I say that and it really kind of bugs me because I know I mean I know a lot of people who are proud to be from the South. I'm reluctantly proud to have and I'm not one of these like, you know, localist and, mm-hmm. and and you know, proud to be from where I'm from, but I'm proud of the upbringing that I had in the south because you get a perspective on on things that you don't get in other places. Food's pretty good too. Yeah, grits. And, and the food kills. It's like grits. The food kills in more Biscuits. ways than one. Um right, but the 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 question is how do you address a culture that has tied its southern pride to this kind of belief that, well, I got my Confederate heroes and they've got Martin Luther King. They're basically the same thing. Right. I don't know. I really, I, I honestly, I, I don't. I mean, that is a quantum leap to go from Stonewall Jackson, right, to Martin Luther King. Be, because the, the, when I think of southern pride, when I think of pride in anything, it's rarely around. The Civil War. Yeah, like I don't. Ha- I I love being an East Coast elitist. I'm not proud of the Union. <laughs> like, and we won. Right. We were the better right. of the two sides by far. But that's not where my pride comes from. Why is it tied to the Confederacy? And the only answer I can come up with when I am trying to be as generous as possible is racism. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm hesitant. To, uh, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's 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 a racism that I think a lot of people don't really confront because it's not a a necessarily in your face racism. When people talk about institutional racism, right? Like this is how people are brought up. This is what they're taught. This is what their parents told them. This is what their grandparents told them. This is what everybody in their social circle tells them. And it's in a jokey way a lot. Like he thought he was making a joke, right? Right. And he didn't think that that was wildly offensive and inappropriate. And the thing that's, I think, I mean, the most telling thing about that clip is Martin Luther Coon. Like, well, that, well, that, that tells you everything. Yeah. But what, what to, the, aside from but that. But also the most telling thing about that is he thought he could say it and not, like. No, no, he, he knows he shouldn't say that. He, he sees no problem yeah. saying, let's tear down the Martin Luther King sign. He knows yeah. he shouldn't use the racial slur, but sees no problem equating Martin Luther King to Confederate generals and saying, you know, I'd like to rip that sign down. That to me, yeah. because I, when I first saw this clip, I saw it on Twitter and someone tweeted out and they said, if he didn't say, how many people would think he wasn't a racist if he didn't say Martin Luther Coons? Yeah. If yeah, you yeah, took yeah. that yeah. line right. out of it. You're right. Here, here's, here's what I think that's really, really, but oops, really. that racism slipped out. But the yeah. whole oops, thing is racism. Don't ra- you hate when that happens? But that's the thing. The whole thing, the whole is, thing racism, is racism. But we, uh, we're, we're frightened and, uh, of the idea of calling someone a racist. Yeah. So you have to actually have the pure, distilled, uncut ugliness yeah, 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 yeah. before you call it out. Uh, you know, not that I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm spending way too much time trying to get into this dim mind of this guy. But. The only thing that I can really point to, and it, 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 with with uh, with this mentality, is there has always been an us versus them mentality in the South. Yeah, and the people in the South want to do it their way, and that's the best way in their mind. And slowly and with butter, slowly and with lots of bacon <laughs> grease and butter. Uh, but it, it's the same thing with when you watch. Donald Trump roll back all of these Obama era policies, whether they made sense or not. Obama did it, therefore it's got to go. 
in the South, if they're if they're of a mind that liberal elitists are trying to tell them how to live their lives and take their mm-hmm. monuments down, then they'll go to whatever they have to try and defend that. And frequently, not only in the South, but especially in the South, they've got that racism in their back pocket that they can pull out. Well, yeah. the thing that really upsets me is one of the arguments for conservatives or Southerners right now is saying that liberals are trying to rewrite history yeah, or erase history by taking down these monuments <laughs> or taking down these flags. My counter argument to them is when you say heritage, not hate, you're doing the same damn thing. It's the same thing. Right, exactly. It's the same thing. You're rewriting I mean, history too. Yeah. It was about racism. It, 100%. it was about slavery. Yeah. It was not, not, not about heritage. Exactly. And, and Jamie, your point's an important one here. And to take it even further, these monuments have not been up since the Civil War. Right. Exactly. Almost all of them were erected in the 60s in direct reaction to the civil rights movement. Did you see the, the piece, I think it was Mike, that said, like, do you have any idea why these Confederate monuments are coming down so easily? Because they're very, very cheaply made because they mass manufactured them during the second reconstruction. Part of the reason they're up is because of capitalism. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There's, there's like replicas, um, you know, identical copies of some of them in, in various cities because one company made the same monument. Yeah. It's yeah. a cash cow. It, totally. Totally. And so, like, you know, it's a weird, it's a, it's, a, it's a really weird time to see this stuff come full circle from what I've heard my entire life of these heritage, not hate arguments. Like, there are some people who have just been brought up to believe that the Civil War was not fought about slavery, that it was fought about states' rights. And, like... The states' rights to, to have, have slaves. slaves. Right. But, it, but it, like, you hear what I'm saying, though? Like, that's, that's something that they leave out of the equation and has been left out of the equation for their entire mm-hmm. lives. And so... I've really been wrestling with this, especially since Charlottesville. I mean, I've wrestled with this my whole life, but like especially since Charlottesville. How do you talk to Southerners and make the point that your heritage is hate? It's not about preserving that rich Southern heritage and who you are and where you came from. Um, and I just, I just don't know. I don't know. And the, and the scariest part is we've got a president that's going to back up Every single terrible idea that they've been told their entire lives about how great and rich the tradition is in the South without slavery it's, and it, leaving that part out of it. it, it, it I don't mean to plug another uh, operation here, but if you ever listen to The Daily, hmm, I'm not familiar. which oh is a, it's it. a spectacular New York Times This podcast. happened earlier this week on the show. Uh, <laughs> did it really? I mean, I listened to almost every moment of the Bill Press show, so I can't believe I don't know that. Um, bink. Uh <laughs> The Daily, after you're done listening to the Bill Press podcast, you should listen to... Pod show. Pod show. <laughs> pod radio hour. Go ahead. Um, you should... Uh, magical internet talky thing. Go ahead. Um, you, should, you should check out an episode from the beginning of this week. Uh, I think it's this week, uh, where they talk to the a former white supremacist who is a... He is the son of the founder of Stormfront. Yeah. The, and he used to write for it as a kid, and he sort of came out against white supremacy in a letter to the Southern Poverty Law Center. But he, there's a chilling moment in this interview. It's a fascinating interview from start to be finish, but there's a chilling moment where he talks about, uh, near the end of it, he talks about how Donald Trump has given not just voice to what the white supremacists believe, 
but he is the first person in power in history that has said and signaled to all of them, what you believe is okay. Mm. And that's a tough thing to fight against. Because it's not, it's those people, there are people who sit on the fence in this world. There, the, the, the man who says Martin Luther Coons, we're not getting to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the person yeah, who, it's the person who listens to them, yeah. to him, and says, huh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who I'm worried about, that's who I want to reach. And when we have a president who is popular down there, who is popular with a pl- ton of folks still, saying, no, this is normal, this is right. Yeah. It's a tipping point that's very dangerous. Yeah, it's very depressing. You know, like I, I've seen it change so much in my life, but I also have seen it stay the same. Yeah. By the way, before we go to break here, yeah. uh, Donald Trump is tweeting this morning. Oh, uh, good. He oh, tweeted about an hour ago. We, we, d- we can just sort of brush over those. He tweeted about General Kelly saying he's doing a fantastic job and not to believe the fake news. He's also talking about all the bills he's passed, mostly symbolic. And then the tweet from six minutes ago, Nick Adams, this is a quote, retaking America. And this is him quoting Nick Adams. Who's Nick Best, Adams? A conservative uh, author. Okay. Best things of this presidency aren't reported about. Convinced this will be perhaps best presidency ever. <laughs> Nick Adams released his book back in April, <sighs> a couple of months after Donald Trump took office. So, you know, just more fan Seems mail right. that Donald Trump is putting out there. <laughs> Trump, Trump also tweeted in the span of like 10 minutes saying the Democrats have, uh, their filibuster has stopped them from passing any laws. And also, this administration has passed great laws, uh, more laws than anyone. It, it is a, uh, the man just speaks through his Twitter fingers. I will say. And still doesn't understand Congress. I will say that uh, the one thing Donald Trump was right about was when he bashed James Clapper yesterday. And I know that everybody wants to make James Clapper a hero these days. And by comparison, he is a far better man than Donald Trump. James Cap- Clapper absolutely lied to Congress. He Trump. absolutely did. Look, and this, I'm not trying to get Donald Trump any credit. I just I, wanted to I, say, I, like, no, no, this really is, qu- oh, what was that? Is that, is that Clapper? I, I, I really quit. <laughs> he doesn't sound He's, so good. He doesn't sound great. But it, look, so look th- this is the problem we face a bunch of times. Comey gave us Trump. Yeah. And we've had to embrace Comey yeah. because at least he seems like not a horrible dirtbag. Yeah. James Clapper lied to Congress. James Clapper has done a lot of bad things. But he's also a real human. Sure, I get it. I get he's it, I get a it. serious human being. I get it. Totally. I, would n- I don't like being on his side. I don't like being on the side of Comey. But when staring down the barrel of an insane man's Twitter gun, yeah. so- sometimes you got to make some strange bedfellows. Um, did we... Uh... Did we did we solve racism? Yeah, Are we good. The uh, three white men talking about it. Yep, we're sold. Excellent. All right, we fix it, everybody. Uh, well, now that we've talked about that, let's talk about the mental health of Donald Trump. We'll be speaking with Jane O'Donnell, healthcare policy reporter at USA Today. It's. It, I mean, look, I've said this from the very beginning, from the moment that he got into the race. The man is not well, uh, but members of Congress might be feeling the same way. We'll talk about that next. Right here on the Bill Press Show with me, Peter Ogburn, and Jonathan Levy. We're both sitting in for Bill today. Stay tuned. They fought because they were concerned about, they were farmers, and they were concerned about their land, their, pro- their, their property. It was a property rights issue. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show.
same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Thank you all so very much for tuning in here on a Friday morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have so much to talk about. That's just the way that the news cycle runs these days. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn. Sitting in for Bill Press today with Jonathan Levy, who is here uh, captaining the ship with me. Uh, from the vi- co-captain. Yeah. We're co-captains. Yeah. yeah. I'm Captain Crunch. You're Captain Morgan. Skipper. The Skipper. Is that... Wh- yeah. No, Skipper and Gilligan. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Well, but I guess you're the Skipper. We're both He's pretty beefy guys. <laughs> We're both skippers. <laughs> J- Jamie, uh, Radio Twink Jamie uh, over here. All right, I'll be Gilligan. definitely That's Gilligan. Fine. He's totally Gilligan. Yeah. First of all, not a twink, but. <laughs> Beg to differ. <laughs> well, uh, when Donald Trump <laughs> announced that he was running for president, I said, this does not look like a well man. I did not think he looked well. Uh, and now bold, th- bold pronouncement. Yeah, well, now that we're here. Uh, where we are with Donald Trump, I am not alone. We are joined by Jane O'Donnell. She's healthcare policy reporter at USA Today, and she has a piece that is titled Amid Mounting Bipartisan Concerns Debate Over Trump's Mental Health Takes Off. Jane, thank you for joining the show. Sure, my pleasure. I want to play a clip because this, I think, was um, really opened the door for people to start talking about this when Senator Bob Corker from Tennessee. This was, Jamie, this was after the Charlottesville comments, right? This was last Wednesday in Chattanooga, after Charlottesville. So, uh, so The day after the press conference. The day Trump after Tower. Trump gave his press conference where he sort of went off the rails and said that both sides, there were good people on both sides of the issue. Here's what Senator Bob Corker had to say. The president has not yet, um, has not yet been able to demonstrate the stability uh, nor some of the competence that he needs to demonstrate in order to be successful. Not stable, not competent is is my takeaway from that. Um, I'm going to skip the clapper clip, Jamie, and go straight to Sarah Huckabee Sanders because she was asked about this yesterday at the White House press briefing about his mental stability, and she won't even entertain the question. Uh, I think that's a ridiculous and outrageous claim and doesn't dignify a response from this podium. So, Jane, I think it's safe to say that Donald Trump acts a little differently than other presidents we've had. Um, is the conversation over his mental health uh, gaining traction, and should we be talking about this? Oh, well, certainly some of the people I heard from didn't think we should be talking about it. Okay. Uh, but that kind of it stands to stands to reason <laughs> in this the business comments, these Jane. days. Don't read the comments, Jane. Don't <laughs> no, do these it. were the emails, you know, okay. when you have right. your when you have your email online, you know. Oh like, yeah. And, yeah. and, and face, Facebook messages. I'm sure everything was spelled wonderfully. <laughs> no overuse of capital letters. <laughs> Well, there, there were some. There were some. Um, there, you know, there were there were some very very well put comments. You know, emails to me um, because there is a very real debate about that. Just whether it's okay for psychiatrists to to talk publicly about someone. Um, if you want to get to the Goldwater rule. Or, no, yeah, I'd love yeah, to. No, yeah, I'd love I've, to. I mean, this is uh, for any listeners that aren't familiar with it. This this uh, came up during the presidential campaign about w- when Barry Goldwater was running in the 60s. And it, and it became an issue. And he he successfully won a libel suit over the fact that people were they were they were commenting about about his mental mental um, Fitness or his mental abil- his ability to to be president due to you know whatever his issues were and that was considered very political. Um, so fast forward uh, to now, it really it, 
from I'm not I'm a health reporter and what used to be more of a consumer reporter. I'm not a political reporter, but sure. it, it, from, sure. from what I know, it was not a, not an issue until now. So mm-hmm. so here so th- when this president came in, it became something psychiatrists started talking about again. And they and psychiatrists, by the way, are very liberal. Uh, they're about seventy something percent, close to eighty percent are liberal. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I guess, but yeah. that's interesting. You know, one of the things I thought was was very uh, kind of groundbreaking was when Ted Lieu introduced a bill in February to require a psychiatrist in the White House. And I think that that was pretty clear that it was a swipe at Donald Trump, but it's also kind of like, hey, I think that we treat psychiatry in this country as sort of a taboo thing, and if you do go see a psychiatrist, that means that you're broken. And 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 we're supposed to not be as much anymore, though, and it's supposed to be a disease. Right, 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 (laughs) right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just like substance abuse. But it still absolutely has that Oh, oh, yeah, there's still a stigma. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. But, you know, this is is an important thing, this idea of not just diagnosing people – you don't know and aren't treating. Right. You know, I remember in the Terry Schiavo thing uh, mm-hmm. all those years ago where um, uh, uh, Bill, uh, Bill, Bill Frist, Frist who one. was the majority leader of the Senate at the time, who was a doctor, tried to diagnose her via video. And it was insane and ridiculous. And I oppose that. But this is something that almost on an elemental level, when you listen to him talk, when you watch him go about his his business, you feel something's wrong. And I think that's what a lot of people are reacting to. Right. And and when you feel something's wrong or someone else feels something wrong, um, with all due respect to you, I don't know your medical credentials, but I assume there's. okay. But when you see something's wrong, but a psychiatrist, even if she is liberal, uh, tells me she sees something wrong and that she works with people with narcissistic personality disorder and knows about how that can lead to violence. And then. When when the former uh, director of national intelligence says in a in a quote unquote fit of peak, if that he's worried that Trump will will um, you know use the nuclear codes, yeah. um, that's when it becomes a story in USA Today's mind. This has been percolating for quite a while, mm-hmm. but I, I did something. If I could just quickly mention, sure. I, this is my third Trump health story. The first one was on a sleep deprivation, um, and you get criticized too because the people didn't. Well, <laughs> they certainly didn't sleep with him, but they they, they um, you know they didn't analyze they hadn't examined him, right, right. but but they were talking about how he has talked about having three getting three or four hours of sleep, and there was a pattern, and there's the tweeting, and then you have you know his his you know claiming to not exercise or believing in exercise and all of that. that, yeah. No so you have all that. of these things. Um, it it does worry people when when North Korea comes up and these yeah. kinds of things. Well, in, in your reporting, you mentioned. Uh, narcissism uh, is that is there sort of a an undercurrent of one or two diagnoses that people keep kind of positing? Yeah, and it it is narcissistic personality disorder, which mm-hmm. is why so so there's narcissism, and I and I think here um just blocks from the capital. I think <laughs> we got lots of it here in town, <laughs> Jane. I'm no, sure we are not, not short in on this that. studio. No, oh, no, no, never in no, here. No, 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 not at all. But surrounding us, yes. Comparatively speaking, I think I think it's probably lower. But the um, but it's it's it comes it becomes in you know whether it's Wall Street or you know boardrooms anywhere, you're going to see a fair amount of narcissism, and it's probably necessary to succeed. And that's one of the things I said to this um, Dr. Bandy Lee, the psychiatrist from Yale, who when she first started describing to me the things that worried her about Donald Trump, 
I said, but I've covered Washington since the 80s. That sounds like every politician I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, you know, what if I told you that was like that described my husband? And, and the, th- the line that always stuck with me, it does not, by the way. But, <laughs> <laughs> he actually needs a little more. Like, yeah. If you're listening. Donald, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I, I wish he was a little more of a self-promoter. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but given, the, given the, op- the, the options, I'll take what, he's, what I got. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really hope he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send him the link. Um, <laughs> but the, um, the, uh, the thing that struck with me is that she said, if you had a house full of guns and you described your husband that way, I would feel I had a duty to act, to warn you about that. And this is what she uses. What you can argue, we can argue about it. And many people, including top people at the American Psychiatric Institute uh, Association, disagree with it. But that's why she and these other, her colleagues want to Warren. It was really interesting to me that during the election, there there were a handful of Republicans that came out and endorsed Hillary Clinton. And a lot of them, especially military types, former generals and stuff that came out and endorsed Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. And they said, for us, it's very simple. Um, access to nuclear war, access to the nuclear codes, whether it's a mental illness or whether it's just his knee-jerk fiery reaction to any small thing that comes his way, he could launch us into nuclear war in a matter of minutes. Yeah. And there there are no safeguards here. Nope. Not at all. That, and that's part of the problem and, too. And like, that, James, that's also screwed and up. And when James Clapper, who did work in the in the George W. Bush administration as well, when he said that, that's why we just that's when we decided to write this. I you know, I've been working on this story off and on for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um and, and when he said that, and he's close friends and worked a long time with Jim Mattis, our defense secretary, mm-hmm. when he's worried, I, I think a lot of other people are worried. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> But yeah, this is the healthiest president we've ever seen. Right. This is the healthiest person to ever run for office. Isn't that what his doctor said? The the, the long-haired... Uh... Guy that looked like unfrozen caveman lawyer. <laughs> Forgot his name. Uh, Bornstein. Yeah. Bornstein, uh, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Vinnie Boombots. <laughs> <laughs> It's a reference you guys might <laughs> no not idea get. That remember that? That's the Simpsons doctor. Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Dr. yeah. But uh, it's... I mean, Trump's health has been... A discussion since the beginning. It's mm-hmm. it has yeah. been this letter. There has been the story uh, Peter mentioned about how he does not believe he believes the body has a finite amount of energy. Exactly. If you're not familiar with this story, Donald Trump has said in the past he believes that the human body has a finite amount of energy, and if you exercise, you expend that energy, making you weaker later on. So if you, if, which is the, like, I've heard a lot of crazy stuff from people who don't like to exercise. That's the craziest. Well, we have a, a, a health expert here. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Counterpoint. I, I've, I've done. Actually, you know, I mean, we can, we can laugh about that. And, and, and um, it is, it does. It's, it's the only it's, way to stave it, off the crying. It, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it was surprising. But, you know, I, I write a lot about. Things you know, diabetes is is huge now among children. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not to get all dramatic here, but um, you know, I'm working with a project called the Urban Health Media Project, where I'm I'm training kids in D.C. and Baltimore to do health and social issue reporting because oh, we need to get like healthy food and 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 and, ec- and and the idea of exercise into these communities. 
and he he um, he has a cabinet department <laughs> that's called the Health and Human Services Department. Yeah. Oh, is that and, still there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But remarkably, that one that one survived. And, and it's just it, and it, and how this could translate into policy is is going to like even if one doesn't care about the moral or ethical issues of, of the suffering, you, you've got to look at the cost to society of all mm. these children and the life of diabetes, what a, a lifetime of diabetes is going to cost. For me, like the fact that we are, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but the fact that we are trying to dismantle what Michelle Obama did with right. like healthier eating for our kids is the most ignorant, stubborn, just dumbass thing ever. If nothing else, it's a matter of military readiness. Like mm-hmm. we're, our kids are getting too fat. Right. To fight for us? Yeah, too okay. fat to fight. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if that, if you need to use that argument for some people, fine. It's a hell of a jump, Peter. Uh, well, no, I mean, look, I, you know, like, apparently the health and well-being isn't really something that they give uh, much credence to. No, so, like, well, and, and that's that's my question for you is is this rhetoric or are you actually seeing this in policy? Yeah, and that's what I you are seeing it in policy, and they um, I mean some of this stuff can be considered somewhat superficial, but you know some a friend of mine in the first well not the first Clinton administration the Clinton administration um, she, <sighs> on Earth too we're in the second one <laughs> she 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 headed uh, the President's Council on Sports and Fitness. Um, and which was which was quite active. I mean, it was hard to get you know decisions, you know, different companies and members to agree. But but it actually did a lot. Arnold Schwarzenegger headed that. That, that it made a difference. It brought you know more. It, it emphasized exercise in the schools. And there's um, there's so much so much so many statistics to show if kids aren't getting going to gym and exercise, like they are, they're just like their their lifelong health costs and and life expectancy is going to be so short. So yes, it's very very. Very much so. And I've got students writing about like what they're going to, you know, how how there are still some efforts to make school lunches healthy and taste good. <laughs> you know, the, there's, there's just a lot of scary. So what happens if you eat McDonald's every day like our president does? Yeah. But, but it or does. KFC it, or any but, other stuff. but you do know why he eats. He eats fast food. He prefers fast food. Do you know that? I don't. Mm-hmm. Yes. He prefers fast food because it. um it is more. He likes to know. He's kind of a. He's he's very upset, worried oh, about germs, right. and, he, right. and, and you know right. what you know what's going. Everything's into been it. irradiated from any actual health. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he said that that it, he likes to know where his food comes from. Yes. Well, when I think of McDonald's, I think of clear uh, farm to table. Yeah. Really like to yeah. You always shake the farmer's hand as he hands you the McSalad. Clear lines of production. No, I, I do get that. I mean, I don't get it, but I understand what what like you know. It's it's sterile, packaged. You know exactly what you're getting. I, I guess on the on the other side of the coin, though, I, I think if you had a fair amount of money, and and even if you didn't, if you were the president, you could probably get some some pretty healthy, pretty healthy. No, no, I don't <laughs> think that I don't think that interests him at all. Stuff you know. You know that, I don't think that interests him. Even one if it bit. came from you know sweet green or yeah. sweet leaf or green leaf or whatever <laughs> the different places are in my hometown. Well, it, it, <laughs> it shows what you know his view of healthy is. Healthy is free of bacteria and everything that's been irradiated as opposed to Green. nutrients. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, right. gr- exactly. Right. Living right. foods. Right. It's, it's just, it is, I mean, I just find it unfortunate because, you know, it's like they talk about, you know, celebrities in Hollywood, like, you know, what the kind of behavior they model. I mean, yeah. you, you, you. Well, now you have goop uh, to take us completely off. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is being sued for. Uh, 
for promoting fake health uh, fake health benefits. Yeah, yeah. boy, yeah. she's had it's, some ser- some quite wild claims. Yes, yeah, she, she does. You know, for, for as, as some as, I don't even want to mention on radio. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> for as wide of a spectrum as those two come from, Donald Trump and Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> kind of cut from the same cloth in that in that world. A- absolutely. Well, it's it's about the sale. It's not sure. about the actual what you're giving people. It's about the sale. Yeah. What I found, I mean. Well, there's a distrust, I think, of science. That well, there's made. a huge distrust of science. Yeah. It's it's amazing. It, it, Gwyneth Paltrow and Alex Jones sell the same supplements in different wrapping paper. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. That's Actually, it. Well, I have to mention then that um, I, I did interview Chris Ruddy, who's a, a friend of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of Trump's, that who does comment. I mean, he he didn't he got cut from this story, um, but he he had he had I, I interviewed him about the food and and fitness kind of aspect of of um, President. Uh, the physical fitness, mm. not the mental mm. fitness, um, and and his comment. I, I, I'm sorry, okay, really. We'll, we'll we're, come back we're, to it. we're right out of time. We're, we're out of time. We got We got to go to a break. Jane O'Donnell, healthcare policy board of USA. This Thank you. is the Bill Press Show. Hey everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn sitting in for Bill today along with Jonathan Levy sitting in with me all day. I can't believe we're already on the second hour of the show. Time flies when you're having uh, mediocre amounts of fun. I'm having more than mediocre amounts of fun, buddy. I'm having a good time with you. I'm having a great time with you. What could be more fun than us uh, talking about racism? A deadly hurricane. Yep. The uh, a madman un- running the, the country, stables, hurtling psych- us towards nuclear war. Psychology at, uh, of a man speed. with uh, with nuclear codes. Yeah. Happy Friday! Welcome to the morning yeah. zoo with Peter Ackman and Jada Levy. Oh, morning love. You know when we when we started when I started doing radio with you years ago, you had been a professional already. You taught me that Friday shows were supposed to be light. Yes, they're light, supposed to be fun, light and fun. Yeah. Nuclear war, <laughs> hurricanes. So when Death. did we start drinking and smoking weed? De- Hours ago? What? <laughs> yeah, where you been? <laughs> you've been eating you've been exercising eating your yogurt. <laughs> anyway. Take a dose out of that medical cabinet behind you, Jonathan. Uh, hey now. Oh. Whoa. Hey now. The tea. Live on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for watching us. And the podcast is available on iTunes and you uh, BillPressShow.com if you're not the app if not an Apple person. Uh, we'll be joined by Elizabeth Weiger, president of the Constitutional Accountability Center, in just a such a respectable moment. name. We bring only respectable people on this. This is show. a very respectable show we have. I'm a very respectable person, but I'm not. No, and I, that's why I don't not know why uh, you've booked these wonderful guests for me to sully. <laughs> Elizabeth Weiger is coming up, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. We begin with a mini-scandal in France. An Obama-style scandal, if you will. 
French President Emmanuel Macron, we have learned, spent 26,000 euros, nearly 31,000 U.S. dollars, on makeup in his first three months as President of France. I would say that's more of a John Edwards-style That's, a, yeah. that's true. That's right. a very good point. How do you spend that much money on makeup? I mean, he's a pretty man. He is a very pretty man. This actually is not much uh, less than, uh, excuse me, not much more than some of his predecessors have spent in the past. I guess this is a thing over in France. What for... was Olan spending that money on? That guy looked like a thumb. Yeah. That guy imagine, looked like an imagine what he looked like without, without, the, without the concealer. Yeah, that guy looked like, a make- like an earthworm with makeup on. Aides have said that the spending on makeup will be, quote, significantly reduced in the future. This news uh, coming as Macron's popularity is failing only 37% of voters approve of the job he is doing, down from 57% in wow. May. So Macron having a tough time yeah. when, in w- France. When you're not running against the fascists <laughs> yeah, yeah. and people well, actually start to yeah. look at your policies. R- remarkable what happens when you're in an empty suit not yeah. running against a pure fascist. But man, what a pretty suit. He fills it out nicely. He does. Yeah, he's a he handsome does. man. To the sports desk, we go to Port Republic, New Jersey. Peter, this is one of your favorite genre of stories here. Uh, Jeffrey Regal is 56 years old when he died last Friday. That is one of Peter's favorite genres of stories. (laughs) Shut up! He was a big-time Philadelphia Eagles fan, a fan of the football Eagles. Eagles. Jeffrey Regal put in his obituary... Uh, that he wanted to have, quote, eight Philadelphia Eagles as pallbearers so that the Eagles can let him down one last time. <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, that is great. Oh, I man. have a particular disdain for Philadelphia sports fans, but uh, let well, me just the say. the worst. The Philadelphia sports fans are the worst. The worst. Uh, let me just say, I would like to have met Jeffrey... <clears throat> Jeffrey Regal, uh, of course, the Eagles never won a Super Bowl during his lifetime. He was or a fan who owned season tickets <laughs> for more than 30 years. Uh, rest in peace, Jeffrey Regal. That was a fantastic way to go out. Look, that's great. That's I hysterical. love that. And, and honestly, if the Eagles want to, uh, I mean, they, they really should send some of the Eagles there to, to actually be Paul Bears. Uh, yeah, that would I, be amazing. I, in, in, what a tribute. You know, Jewish ceremonies, we toss dirt uh, or stones onto the grave. I assume uh, at an Eagles fan's uh, burial, you just whip batteries at each other. Yeah, they drop the casket a couple times. They fumble. Stay tuned, everybody. Elizabeth Weidra is coming up here in mere moments. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show here on a Friday, August 25th. Just a reminder, if you would like to watch the show, we are YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We're putting up clips all throughout the day and all throughout the weekend, actually. So if you subscribe to us on YouTube, you get a little notification. Right? When we put a new video up, you get to watch it whenever. It's all good stuff. Also, get the podcast. Just look for The Bill Press Show on iTunes and BillPressShow.com. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today, along with Jonathan Levy. Yes, sir. Fun fact, Jonathan and I were the first two producers here on The Bill Press Show. Jonathan went on to go and you know accomplish great and wonderful things. I'm still here. Yeah, but you know it's a nicer studio than when we started. Sure enough is. 
We're joined by president for the Constitutional Accountability Center, Elizabeth Weiger, one of our favorite people. Yay, you're Thank my you. favorite people. Thank you for coming in. You need to meet more people. <laughs> you and I want to be, be very clear. That was directed at Elizabeth. <laughs> Peter can't do better. <laughs> nope. Also, that's know, why you, Jonathan's here this morning. You're my, you're my mom's favorite people. So my mom Susan? is like number one fan. I'm friends, wow. with, I'm friends with her mom. I'm mm-hmm. awesome. Look, we follow yep. each other on Twitter. She likes all the pictures of my kids and dogs. She's exactly. so sweet. Yeah, who doesn't like kids and dogs. Yeah. No. Me. Jonathan. <laughs> I, like, no, 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 no. I like dogs. I like dogs. <laughs> no, y- you want to talk fun facts. Peter and I have now been very close friends for 12 years. I have never met his children. <gasps> There's a reason. What? Have you met the dog? Wait, really? No. You've never met my kids, have you? <laughs> no, I've never met your children. How is that? What? Peter, yeah. Peter's, Peter's a smart man. I've There's met a... your kids like 10 times. There's a reason for <laughs> yeah. that, Jamie. <laughs> Have you met Jonathan? Peter's a smart man. <laughs> Look, I, I, like, my kids are corrupted enough with having me as a father. You think I need to introduce them to Jonathan? I don't know what to do with a child. Like They're like people, but smaller and less interesting. Jonathan it's, met my 12-year-old. Wow. He tried to pick him up and burp him. He didn't, yeah. like, so they're have all you, babies to him. Have you ever held a baby, Jonathan? Uh, I try really hard not to. <laughs> Literally, no, no. Literally, my uh, my cousin had a kid a, th- a couple years ago, and like was passing it around the table as I guess people do. And he was like, "Here, you want to hold him?" And I said, "No, thank you." And everyone looked at me like I was a war criminal. Like, what's, Just what say is, you have a cold or something. What is the upside of holding a baby? I get nothing out of it, but I could drop it. There's no positive. <laughs> you get nothing out of it. holding wow. babies. It's so sweet. What do you get out of it? It's it's it fills it's a me, moment, it, you know. It it's a moment. Life. Hope for the yeah. future. It fills me with life. Hope for the future is wasted. <laughs> Hope for the future. I will is say, wasted. Peter has been very cutesy this week. He's um, oh, I think the eclipse changed him because he was in the path of totality. <laughs> yeah. So he he, he had a moment this. of his own. I did go to the beach to watch the eclipse. I was in South Carolina for the path of totality. And it was a wholly moving experience. There you go. I agree. I was in Nashville. <gasps> Were you really? Amazing. Did you, did you watch? Did you see the eclipse, Jonathan? Nope. I scheduled a meeting during it. Oh, and gosh. both me and the guy I was you meeting with cynical. decided. What is wrong with you? You hate fine. babies and total eclipses of the sun? Come on. Correct. Wow. It was amazing. I openly wept. Sorry. It's not oh, that wow. I hate either I of was them. So moved. I see no purpose amazing. for them. What was moving about this? Look this is Jamie. why we brought Look you Jamie. on here. <laughs> I know you thought we were going to talk about yeah. the Supreme Court, but, you know. Yeah. Um, we're going to dig into that big, yes. beautiful brain of yours in a second, <laughs> but let's talk about our vacation really quickly. Hello, Jerry. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, President Trump. What, what was so moving about it? You know, it's, well, first of all, the shared experience yes. I thought was wonderful. Yes. And I will say. Look at Jonathan. The eclipse was cool. <laughs> I've gone back to reading Twitter. But God. totality was totally amazing. It was. Yeah. Totally. It's like dark and sunset at 1.30 in the afternoon in Nashville. And you know what it was? Planets and... Part of it for me was the shared experience of being yeah. there with everybody. I'd never mm-hmm. met before, but we were all sort of sharing the same heartbeat. Yes. And. <laughs> Watching that hurts. Watching my kids like get way into it, and also the fact that like science is real. Yes. They pinpointed to the moment mm-hmm. that the moon was going to blot out the sun, and they nailed it. Yeah. And they nailed it. That to me. And the only way to look at it was through a cereal box. No, you get the you get those those glasses. Those... Yeah, I tried to buy them on Amazon, and they were going for like sixty dollars a pop. Ooh. Ouch. Yeah. It's no good. Well, plan ahead, yeah. Jonathan. That's yeah. the lesson. That's the lesson here. You've got until 2024. Yeah. You can buy some glasses now. I might be able to lend you mine. I still kept them. <laughs> so, wait, it's coming in 2024? So this oh, time... It's going to be in Maine. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going this to Maine. Time, this time it went from this is gonna if you're if you're watching visually, I want to mess it up. But it, it came from the northwest <laughs> down to the southeast this time, and then in seven years it's going to go sort of the other way. It's going to make an X across the country. Good. So it's going to sort of come up through Mexico and go back up through the northeast. Excellent. I prefer when things go through the northeast, <laughs> as an effete liberal elitist. Yeah, I knew that was coming. All right, folks. Well, that takes care of the uh, the politics and intellectual uh, discussion on the bill. All right, we're done. Um, I want to read a tweet to you from our president, Donald J. Trump, from this morning. Uh, Few, if any, administrations have done more in just seven months than the Trump A. Oh, I I can tell you a few things about the Trump A. (laughs) Bills passed, regulations killed, border, military, ISIS, SC which I assume means Supreme Court. Mm. Uh, Elizabeth Wydra is with us. She is the president of the Constitutional Accountability Center, and she has a piece in the Washington Post. Neil Gorsuch doesn't seem to care much about impartiality after all. Oh, really now? Shock of shocks. (laughs) Go on. Tell us more. Smugly told us. Yes. Well, that's true. He told us he told us and used very eloquent, powerful words about how he felt you know, integrity and impartiality in his bones. Um, and then we, you know, we, we shall see. I'm keeping an open mind. I, I litigate in front of the Supreme Court. I hope that he does actually, you know, f- live up to those words that he used at his Senate confirmation hearing. But it's concerning because he's agreed to speak at a Trump hotel at an event next month. Now, <laughs> That's sort of concerning anyway. That's amazing. Yes, but it's also particularly concerning when you think about the fact that the Trump Hotel and the way that it lines the president's pockets while he is president is the subject of three major lawsuits that are currently pending in the lower courts and could very well make their way to the Supreme Court. No, hang on a second. <laughs> I heard directly from our president, who I will not have you impugn, that he doesn't <laughs> make any do that. that he doesn't make any money off of this. He has separated himself by some form or fashion. Yes, it's a little unclear, and that's actually that's <laughs> part of the reason that we represent more than two hundred members of Congress suing the president for violations of the Foreign Emoluments Clause, because the Constitution says you actually can accept. Uh, payments, profits from foreign governments with the consent of Congress. That's specifically in the Constitution, with the consent of Congress. And part of the reason you do that is so you have this transparency. Mm -hmm. You say, how much money are you making? You know, what foreign governments is it coming from? What's happening with that money? And he has said that he's turning over operations to his sons, that they've separated themselves. That doesn't really seem to be actually true. They weigh in on policy. He seems to weigh in on his business. And also, perhaps more importantly, he knows he's getting that money, you know, even if he's not getting it at this very moment. Um, He's also made some claims to donate some of some portion of the profits from the hotel to the government. But we haven't really seen exactly how that's working. So uh, this I think this is really interesting what you're doing. And it's important. What are the steps of this lawsuit? Mm -hmm. Yes. So. You know, this is unprecedented. This is, according to the Congressional Research Service, the largest number of members of Congress who have ever come together to sue a sitting president. I, I didn't know members of Congress ever came together in any form or fashion to sue a sitting president. So. <laughs> right. Who says they can't work together? Yeah, like... Yes, it's not often. Um, but, you know, the 
drafters of our Constitution, like, look, emolument sounds like, you know, this obscure, super wonky legal term, but it was actually incredibly important to the drafters of our Constitution. And they put in these anti-corruption provisions because they were worried Mm -hmm. that, you know, it would be very tempting for the leaders of a young nation to have foreign governments curry favor with them through Uh, their business interests through Mm -hmm. appealing to their bottom line instead of the public interest. And so... Seems rational. Right, exactly. (laughs) that makes sense. So it was incredibly important, even though it might seem a little obscure to us now. And, you know, there are lawsuits that are brought by uh, competitors. There are some lawsuits that are brought by um, uh, state governments, Maryland and uh, the District of Columbia. But our lawsuit is particularly, I think grounded in the text of the Constitution, because it specifically says you need to go to Congress if you want to accept these payments. Mm -hmm. And we know who runs Congress. It's the Republican Party, which you would think that the president, um, as a member of that party, would uh, feel fine complying with the Constitution and going to Congress to get their consent before getting all this money for his businesses. But he hasn't done that. That does seem like how he operates normally. And, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's a clear violation of our Constitution. And so... It's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, are kind of in, in uncharted waters here. So where are you in the process of this? So we've filed the complaint in uh, D.C. in federal district court. OK. And we are in the process of doing our briefing. You know, so we have come in and said these are our um, allegations. The government we know is going to try to get the case dismissed out of court. We, of course, will fight that vigorously, and we think we have a really good case. And when you say the government, is this the president's lawyer? Is this the White House counsel that's doing Which this? Which one is of his lawyers? Because yeah, yeah. he's right, got, right. like, an army of them <laughs> So now. many. Yeah. That's, but that that alone, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll continue talking about this, but like the fact that the president has an army of lawyers to handle his business outside of the White House mm-hmm. is remarkable. Yes. I mean, we haven't really seen anything quite like that. I guess maybe the Bill Clinton impeachment the, stuff. Right, but that was under a direct... Investigation. Sure, it's sure, not sure. Like Clinton sat around with his army of lawyers because every day he was doing something illegal. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, look, as a lawyer, like I'm not going to object to people hiring lots of lawyers. Sure, um, sure. But you know, I I think that you know here it's the Department of Justice because they are defending him as so it president. is DOJ who's actually going yes. up and defending this. Yes. Yes, the good people of DOJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really then been a wise political move for Donald Trump to attack the head of DOJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, you know, uh, Donald Trump doesn't seem to have a lot of respect for the rule of law or the people who enforce it, unfortunately. Um, so that's why we've had to go into court to say, you know, you might not feel that way, but hey, we've got a constitution, we've got a court system, we've got a judiciary empowered to enforce the constitution, and you I'm, need to follow it. I'm it's like really the government gl- works. Yeah, I'm really yeah. glad to hear that we still have all those things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. As of now, August right. 25th, we do still have yeah, those Yeah, I mean, day by day, I'm worried about it. Yeah, you know, we talk about this a lot. I know I've said this to, to, to you the last time you were here, is mm-hmm. so much of what's happening right now is we're finding out together as a country just how much the president can get away with. Mm-hmm. And I think that the office has been built on the fact that we're not going to elect a crook. Whatever right. wh- Whoever we put in there is going to be a good and honest person. And we're really facing the test now of, like, it doesn't look like we do. And so what laws prevent that? Right. And that's scary to me. 
Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you can kind of run wild with that. I mean, there is there is a there the, the end to that is a long way away. He is he has laid bare the fact that we have operated much more on custom and ceremony. Yeah, yes. than I think any of us, yeah. maybe except you, mm-hmm. who actually studied this, realized. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely had moments before where you know we've had this kind of um, I don't want to say democratic crisis, but. You know, certainly. I mean, look, we were we had a civil war (laughs) in this country, you know, where people were going against the very nature of our constitutional democracy. But I think that the important thing and one of the things that I think is crucial about the anti-corruption provisions of the Constitution is that the drafters of our Constitution knew that men were not angels um, and presumably someday women were not angels and as president of the United States. And so that's why they wrote these things in. So, you know, as long as you. Um, comply by the law, then, you know, we have protections against these sorts of things. And so that's why, you know, the courts uh, are in some ways our uh, best hope right now to come in and say, look, we need to enforce the law. We need to abide by these important values and norms. You know, norms are important. <laughs> and yeah. we've, We are seeing right yeah. now how, you know, Fortunately, a lot of our norms are grounded in the Constitution. We just haven't had to test them that often, as you said. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I thank God we have the judiciary. So there is a system. That's yes. that, that's like there is a system. It's it's we're figuring out how to use it for the first time in this instance, I think. But like there is a system. Well, and what worries me, I think, is this is this feels like our Maginot line, mm. the judiciary, mm-hmm. and the Republicans. There's asymmetrical warfare in how Republicans and Democrats do politics. Democrats fight individual battles on elections. Republicans tend to go after the system. Mm. So I worry when I watch the judiciary being our last line of defense yeah, for this. You should. Are they start? Are you starting to see the Republicans go after the system well, you here? Know, conservatives have been very smart, I guess, in the judiciary of working within the system to attack the system. Mm -hmm. So right now you have a lot of conservative judges and more on their way because the Republicans in the Senate blocked so many of President Obama's uh, nominees to the bench in his last year or so. So there's a lot of uh, options for Trump to fill the courts with his conservative nominees will come in and want to, for example, tear down the administrative state, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so they're working within the system. But you're right. It's It's been um, and, you know, I will say that President Trump was correct in his tweet this morning, at least with respect to the Supreme Court, because getting Neil Gorsuch on the bench is a big win for him. He did so much for that. He did. He worked so hard <laughs> for he, that. Mitch McConnell changed the rules of the Senate yep. mm-hmm. and they didn't have to do anything but keep their members moderately in line. Yeah, and they blocked Merrick Garland for an entire year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that talk about unprecedented um, and breaking down of norms. So, you know, that was a big victory for We don't talk about Merrick Garland enough. I know. It it is... What do you think he's doing right now? No, I don't. I don't, I don't. <laughs> he has a very good job. Yeah, 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 he's on yeah, the yeah, D.C. Yeah, Circuit yeah, right. Court of Appeals right. doing great yeah. work. Yeah. All right. But, I mean, th- that is... What we saw happen there, because I think... Mm-hmm. Because everyone just sort of said, well, the Republicans are being douchebags. Can I say that? You just did. Well, oh, I don't know. Uh, My mom is listening, Jonathan. Susan, deep, apo- sorry. deep apologies. Susan, I'm so sorry. Um, I would never. Because, the, because you know, the Republicans were being doo-doo pants um, and holding this up. But we all said Hillary's going to win. Mm. So we all kind of said, all right, this is just delaying Hillary's it. Charged. And then Hillary didn't win. And 
Donald Trump won, and the crisis wasn't Merrick Garland. It was everything. <laughs> right, yes. So I don't think we have given enough attention to how much of a breaking of norms mm-hmm. what happened there was. Yes. Mitch McConnell and the Republicans said, Obama, we've created an arbitrary timeline where you are no longer allowed to do what the Constitution right. tells you you're allowed to do. Right, yes, for an entire year. How do we fix that? Oh, gosh. You know, I mean, I so I think for for me as a as a Supreme Court lawyer, um, you know, a lot of people, I think, look at that from the lens of politics and say, you know, it's rough and tumble politics. But, you know, we had a Supreme Court that basically mm. didn't function properly because they didn't have the full complement of nine justices for right. um, nearly a year. And, you know, in that time, they heard incredibly important cases, for example, the immigration case that protected uh, under the DAPA program, parents of um, certain uh, uh, lawful permanent resident and U.S. citizen uh, children, you know, the court split on that. They couldn't do their job and decide cases. And, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the Supreme Court is probably, um, you know, the most respected if you <laughs> look at it versus Congress and the president. And so to drag the court into this political dysfunction mm-hmm. Um, for me, was very disheartening. I think on the bright side, you know, the people on the court and, you know, Chief Justice Roberts, I disagree with him on a lot of issues, but I agree with him when he talks about the need to make sure that the court is seen as not another political body. Um, So I think that that gives me some hope. um, And, you know, we'll see this term. We have a lot of really important Supreme Court cases um, coming down the pike. And so it'll be interesting to see how Gorsuch fits into that um, you know, whether there's a little bit of a split between him and some of the more um, establishment Republicans who sometimes can vote uh, in ways that surprise progressives and please them. Well, I mean, speaking at the Trump Hotel, it's a bad a, start. It's a great way to keep politics out of the court. Exactly. Um, yeah. What What is coming down the pike? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. What's, so what's we. Next? I'm sorry. Peter has a question for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just saying. That's what I wanted to. I wanted to shift to that. What's, what are we seeing coming down the line? How dare you? Well, you know, speaking of the Trump administration and and the courts being our best hope, we. Um, have the Muslim ban coming up before the Supreme Court, assuming they don't consider that it's... Ban's not a ban. Yes, right, yeah, except when Trump contradicts his lawyers and says it is. Oh, um, my God. How actually important, because, you know, I, I'm just full of hot air, and I like to spout off and be like, hey, he contradicted his lawyers, they're going to use that in court. Is that actually a thing from someone who has a, yeah. who, a law degree? Yeah, so it's, you know, when we look at, particularly when you're dealing with discriminatory policies... Um, you look at the context in which that policy arose mm-hmm. and the fact that President Trump has been saying, you know, certainly when he was a candidate, but also after he became president, things that make it seem like this policy is going after Muslims yeah. because they're Muslim. Yeah. Um, that has been used by the courts to say we think there's, you know, a likelihood that this is an unconstitutionally discriminatory policy, and that's why they've blocked it. They pointed directly to his comments Absolutely. in some of these cases and said, if your argument is that it is not this, then you have to look at this argument that you made separate from the court that said right. that it is this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's Supreme Court case law. If you're dealing with a discriminatory policy, normally it doesn't come in terms of presidential tweets, but you look at the <laughs> context of, you know, whether normally it's kind of legislative hearings or, you know, policy manuals or things like that. It's not uh, angry tweets at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, but 
uh, it's relevant and it's relevant under existing Supreme Court case law that now is applying to us in this crazy context. I'm so sorry, but we have a breaking tweet from the president. Oh, oh boy. Strange statement by Bob Corker, considering that he is constantly asking me whether or not he should run again in 18. Tennessee, not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Just speaking of uh, the power of presidential yeah. tweets. By the way, like part of our show has become like w- w- the president will just tweet throughout the morning, and we have to read whatever nonsensical thing he tweets. So have to. Oh, you have it's required. It's required. It's required. This is look. This is this is. We we, we are stuck do. in the path of his totality, <laughs> and it's. I don't know what that means, wow. but it sounded really fancy. Um, <laughs> it does sound fancy. So. We've got the uh, Muslim ban that's yes. not a ban coming. Yeah, and then, so there is an incredibly important case that, um, you know, has been a little sleepier, but I think, you know, once we maybe, I think, again, you know, like the emoluments clause, when there's a word mm. that seems, like, unpleasant, I feel like doesn't get as much press coverage. But right. so the partisan gerrymandering case is coming up, and this case is This huge. is huge. This is, this is the future of our democracy, in my yes. opinion. yeah. So, you know, the issue is that, as you know, many people know, we've been gerrymandered into situations where, um, you know, even even if you, you know, when when you get control of the state houses and you can draw the lines in the state, you can make it so basically, as this is, it could benefit either party, but it just so happens to have benefited Republicans um, overwhelmingly. Well, it didn't just so happen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I, you know, theoretically, it could be used by either party who gains power. But it has Correct. it has gerrymandered us into these districts where you get very extreme candidates who are safe, and so arguably a lot of the dysfunction in Congress um, comes from that, and you know violates, in in my opinion, the way that our constitution's drafters wanted the people to pick their representatives rather than the representatives to pick their voters. <laughs> so what what are some of the possible outcomes of this case? Because it, re- it really is the bedrock of our democracy going forward. Yeah. It's going to be decided by this in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah, so the Supreme Court has been clear that you can't draw lines based on, you know, racial gerrymandering. And when you say draw, draw lines, just for clarity, it's district lines. Yes, like exactly. Wh- the lines around an area that people then vote in and pick representatives both on the state and federal level. Uh, yes. Well, this one is only federal, I believe. Right. Um, and, but it will be applied to. But there are state challenges. Yes. Um, I think there's one in Maryland. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that, again, you know, you want the voters to pick the representatives, not the representatives to pick their voters. Um, and that's what they've been doing by drawing these mm-hmm. lines. In this, this is also way. something that Democrats sort of like fell asleep at the switch on for a while. Right. And I'm not. I'm not oh, un- unbelievably so. Yeah. In, t- in 2010. Uh, I mean, the Republicans told us this is what they were going to do. Lines get changed after the census. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 2010 elections were the key elections yeah. for it. Republicans poured $32 million into state legislative races in a month and a half before 2010. You already Good had grief. bad headwinds. Democrats didn't even come close to that. They flipped 22 chambers across this country. And in those state ledge chambers, redrew the lines. Mm-hmm. And it's unbelievable. S- and that is why you're looking at a year where Democ- uh, Decision Desk just came out with an analysis that uh, Democrats are looking to win about 54 to 55 percent of the vote in congressional elections in 2018. And will, if with that, would probably hold about 47 percent of the seats. Wow. Mm. We had, we've had many great conversations with um, uh, Dave Daly, who wrote a book called Rat Eft. Which is oh, um, yes, all about right. gerrymandering mm-hmm. and how the lines got so screwed up and how Republicans. I read it while I was visiting S Town. 
Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, it's essentially like the Republicans have done such an effective job of, of gerrymandering and, and redrawing those lines. And Democrats just got left in the dust. It's going to take a while. Well, so the question for the Supreme Court yeah. is that, you know, if they're going to weigh into what some might see as a more political uh, kind of fight, how do they how do they make a rule to make sure that there is some sort of rule instead of, you know, there is that famous line about uh, uh, from the Supreme Court about pornography. You know, when you see it, yeah, they generally yeah, yeah, yeah. don't like to do the you know, when you see it thing. So really, the question that I think we're going to look at very closely. And of course, as is often the case, all eyes will be on Justice Anthony Kennedy um, is he whether likes to be watched. Yes. <laughs> well, hey, I would just <laughs> want him to game. stay for, you know, uh, you know, another year or so. <laughs> yeah, um, please. And uh, I, I send him a kale smoothie yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, is whether or not they can come up with a rule of when is a district so gerrymandered that it is overly manipulating, overly diluting the vote, mm -hmm. overly um, uh, inappropriately suppressing people's ability to choose their own candidate. So that'll be the big question. Yeah. We've got some fancy math um, that we hope will convince them, but that is really the key. Yeah, sometimes you can just look at it, though. The, the Pennsylvania 7th, for example, I always described it, it looks like two cartoon rabbits shaking hands. <laughs> it literally makes no geographic sense. Mm. The only way that some of these districts make sense how you cut them is because you want to choose your voters. Exactly right. what you said. Yeah. A fascinating conversation and a fascinating story we will keep on top of with you, nice. Elizabeth Weidra. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming in. She's the president of the Constitutional Accountability Center. We'll tweet out a link to your piece about Neil Gorsuch and the fact that he doesn't really seem to care about impartiality that much after all. Maybe but, he'll withdraw. That's, maybe. You know, maybe. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Maybe. I'm I hope he does. Not optimistic, but Aww. gosh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for coming in. It's always Great nice to, to see you, you guys. here Happy on a Friday. Friday. Yeah, you too. We'll be right back with Cam Joseph. He's senior political correspondent for Talking Points Memo. Coming up next here on the Bill Press Show. Stay tuned. I shouldn't say that. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show, 35 minutes past the hour here on a Friday, August 25th. Thank you all so much for joining us. Just a reminder that we put the whole show up as a podcast on iTunes. Just look for The Bill Press Show in iTunes. If you don't do that Apple thing, you can go to billpressshow.com. We put it up there. You can listen to it on the web player. We've got other ways you can get it. Uh, Jamie Benson puts that out. Right after the show, every day. If you're a member of the Green Bubble Gang. Bang, bang. Apparently there are other ways to listen outside of Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Cam, are you an Android user? I have no idea. I have gotten the Bill Press show on this magic box. See there? If you're, yeah, Green Bubble, bang, bang, Green Bubble Gang. If you got to get that Green Bubble in the messages, you know, if you're texting someone not on Apple. I feel like I'm having a stroke. You get what the blue. You, you get the blue messages if you're texting an Apple person. You get the green messages if you're texting a non-Apple person. What does that have to do with Green Bubble Bang Bang? The Green Bubble. <laughs> you get the Green Bubble if you're an Android Why are you user. Saying bang Bang. It's just a. Hey, we're not talking we, about we, we cauliflower ears. Phones. I don't know what's going on in your little like bubble land, but yeah. Hey, it's a big new music day, by the way. The Queens of the Stone Age have a new album out. Bronson has a new album out. War on Drugs. Oh, listen war to that, Bronson. I, 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 listened, I, I listened to the Queens of the Stone Age album coming out. I guess take a listen the, to the, the war, war on Drugs. The first few songs they put out are great, but the real news, of course. I was waiting for you to Tay Tay Taylor Swift. Yeah. I can't do the Taylor Swift thing. Nope. 
Yeah. I listen to. I'm out. I will. Uh, confession time. I listen to way more Carly Rae Jepsen than is appropriate for a I, man my size. I just made that argument the other day. It's like if you if you're really gonna go for like pure bubble gum. Carly Rae's the best. She's the best. She's the best working right now. I'm glad, glad all of us. You even agree, Jamie? Kind of yeah, I, I was going to get flamed. <laughs> no, no, no. She's going to destroy me. Radio Twink Jamie Benson knows good music. But uh, Taylor Swift. Cam, it, just to be, just to clarify, I'm not a twink. Uh-huh. But <laughs> John, I'm, I'm Jonathan, Jonathan is. I you. Yeah. Staying out of this conversation. You gentlemen have fun. <laughs> uh, I just want to be clear to Jamie. This is not a choice situation. <laughs> You're just born certain ways. Um, jo- there, Taylor, Tell me about the Taylor Swift. Taylor, kind of like twi- your Taylor, Well, it's just a song, Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the it's song, it's so. just a song I'm right not going to listen to it. I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't, if, if her album came out today, I would not be in here. I'm just saying, anything that it's, was on the Hillary Clinton playlist, I never need to hear any of those artists. Yeah, 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 right. yeah good point. But, Yikes. Uh, so uh, uh, a comic who I, I follow on Twitter, who I really like, Joel Kim Booster, uh, wrote, I think, the best description of the Taylor Swift song. Uh, it was, uh, she did a really good Black Eyed Peas song. Oh, no. Um, that's, that is, oh, no. It is a hot mess of a song with a couple of good sections in it that sound like she's been spending a lot of time with Lord. Oh. Other than that, it's a disaster. But Rachel says she likes it. It's... Oh, I can love a disaster. <laughs> Let's be very clear. <laughs> Jonathan, Peter my entire life. Wandering around I, like a movie villain. We went full we... exorcist here. <laughs> it's disasters can be beautiful things. Witness my life. Yeah, same. Can I get a full spin in that chair before the end of the show? He's oh gonna, yeah, no, he's gonna rip the thing. Jamie, out. don't worry. I'll do a full spin for you later. <laughs> Just take every cord of the Woo! studio with you. 38 minutes past the hour <laughs> here on the Bill Price Show. So this morning, 12 minutes ago, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States, tweeted, Strange statement by Bob Corker, considering that he is constantly asking me whether or not he should run again in 18. Tennessee, not happy! That is what he wrote 12 minutes ago, 13 minutes ago. We're joined by Cam Joseph. He is the senior political correspondent for Talking Points Memo. He joins us in studio. Cam, um... Donald Trump does not seem to have much of a problem with going to war with Republicans. No, especially ones who say anything possibly negative about him. And granted, like Bob Corker was basically like, what are you doing, dude, when it came to, to the Charlottesville neo-Nazi stuff? He like questioned whether he was ready he, he to was a, office. He, he was I'll, a little stronger than yeah, I wanna, I wanna what play are you doing? I want to play, yeah. play the clip really quick because yeah. this is what Bob Corker said that apparently pissed Trump off so bad. The president has not yet... Um, has not yet been able to demonstrate the stability uh, nor some of the competence that he needs to demonstrate in order to be successful. So you could take that a lot of different ways. Like he needs to get his administration in order and he needs to sort of get that running better. Or you could take it so far as to say like he is mentally not well. Yeah. Yeah, And this is a man who was uh, you know, quiet foreign policy advisor during the campaign for Trump once he was the nominee. He was uh, in the on the very short list to be Secretary of State. Yeah, he, he was one of the first is, people who met Trump after the. Uh, yeah, and they the and they've still had you know pretty good backdoor relationship. Like him talking to folks in the White House and privately having conversations with Trump, saying. And so a lot of these times when he says things like this, it's something he already warned Trump about, and then Trump went and did, and that's when he gets angry, and that's when that comes out. He's actually somebody who like. For a, the first six months of this administration, I was around him a lot in the Senate, and he was trying to steer Trump. He was hoping for the best. And for him to say this is notable. And then for Trump to go after a guy who's facing re-election and is facing a possible 
serious primary, and I, I haven't really seen any candidate who's going to be able to beat him. But, you know, Democrats are facing a really tough Senate map. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the pie in the sky right now is that they managed to hold every single one of their seats and pick up two. Yeah. And even the most optimistic Democrats are saying that we, we don't see that third seat that we need to win. If Bob Corker's in a real race, if Bob Corker loses to some crazy person in a primary, I mean, Tennessee's a real conservative state. But Bob Corker had a real race in 06. Sure. He, he yep. didn't win that by a huge margin. The state's changed a lot in a decade. But that is not it, any more impossible than in North Dakota or a West Virginia for a Democrat. It, it has changed a lot. But it's also, if you look at the senators from Tennessee, they are absolute conservative Republicans. But they're not lunatics. Yeah. Which is... They're, yeah. Which, I, I mean, which Lamar is, Alexander left leadership so that he could say what was on his mind. Yeah. And this is... This is <laughs> I know this seems like a crazy low bar to hold the Republicans to, but it, it's an actually notable standard. They haven't elected just the you know run-of-the-mill Republican sociopath that we have uh, flooding the halls of Congress now. They've elected real humans. And so there is an opportunity here if he gets knocked off that the state may go, I'd rather have a real human who I may not agree with completely than whatever, uh, you know, yeah. lip, uh, lip smacking uh, – insane person i don't know i was trying to uh turn going like this into a word and apparently that's not possible um <laughs> solid radio uh, can i play a clip uh please do something save this man <laughs> so i hate to give this guy attention but i think he is one of the nuttiest on fox news right now jesse waters jesse Wa i knew you were gonna oh. say jesse waters i knew that was coming on the five last night they were talking about trump's mental health and here is jesse waters arguing that stable presidents haven't really done that well. When politicians call other politicians narcissists, I think the irony's lost on irony. Juan. No, I don't think Obama never had irony. an ego, Juan. Oh, it was no, just no, the no. Greek columns say, and the constant no, no, no. training I think a lot of politicians are psycho. I mean, I live with them, so but I'm just TV telling people. you. But this is, Absolute. this I mean, is narcissism, this is grandiosity, and guess what? So are you TV say, people. You say, oh, it's just people who don't like him. Well, guess what? 55% in a morning consult poll said Trump is not stable. Yeah. Well, can I just... One, stable, conventional politicians... Right. ...trillion, trillion dollars into dead open borders right. and stagnant wages. Oh, my God. It got a little cut off there, but he's he's basically arguing that, that stable presidents have done bad things the, the bad to the thing. country. So, yes. so an unstable president is probably good. <laughs> probably good for everybody. God. Look... My one takeaway here, the three words that I will remember, Tennessee not happy. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually how happy. I thought you were going to start this interview by saying is, Tennessee, happy or not happy? Happy? <laughs> not happy. This but this not helpful. I mean, No. And by the way, this is not, I mean, Trump has been, he's bashed Jeff Flake. Uh, he's, go, he's probably going to back his primary Probably going to back his primary the, the biggest question, and, and this is the most amazing part, and this says everything you need to know about the White House, is there has been internal fighting in the White House, and the president is not listening to his advisors about which primary opponent they should back against Jeff Flake, a sitting U.S. senator. So they can't even get on the same page with how to mess with their own sitting senator. Before <laughs> before his Phoenix rally, he had a huddle with a bunch of the different uh Yeah, with two, and then there's possible, the, so basically uh, like Kelly Ward is in the is in the race right now. Chemtrail Kelly. Yeah, which, which like Kelly. John McCain beat by 13 points last cycle and granted I don't think that means Jeff Flake necessarily, necessarily beat her. McCain is a lot Mitch better. McConnell's already running ads uh, against her. Yeah. Uh and, and frankly and I think that's that he's running ads against her to elevate her. I think he's trying to make her the opponent cuz mm. Jeff Flake has a chance against yeah. her. 
Uh, but she is really not the perfect. I mean, she she came out at right like the day of McCain's cancer diagnosis and said, "Well, he should quit the race and they should appoint you know quit the seat and they should appoint me." Right. And like how you know, like, do you say she's not the perfect candidate? I go for understatement. Uh, but there is Jeff Dewitt is the state treasurer is a Trump person in the state, very close to the Trump land, and is not a crazy person. And could beat Jeff Flake. I think at this point they've elevated Kelly Ward high enough she ain't dropping out. So that's right. a problem splitting the anti-Flake vote. But it's not an impossibility. To I mean, Jeff Flake is, has a really tough race here. And he has a really tough race both sides because it looks like Kirsten Cinema is going to yeah, get Cinema's in. Yeah, Cinema's in. Um, yeah, and, and she is, is a cold-blooded killer. She's a really good candidate. She is. Uh, that Republicans are genuinely scared of. Uh, and frankly, some Democrats I talked to are genuinely like, you know, she, she's like mother of dragons. Like yep. she, she <laughs> will burn the ground and win that race. She's very good. Uh, that's what I, and, that's what and, I want to hear. I, I mean, yeah. these is, is co- like these, these are not criticism. No, no, no. These this are compliments. Is... Like that's what you want in a right, candidate. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and, no, totally. And uh, you know, there's a lot of concern that Jeff Flake is the only one who can hold that seat right now. And even if he wins that primary, that's an August primary. If he has to spend all of his money and time running to the right. To ward off Ward mm-hmm. or whoever ends up being his main opponent, with the president of the United States trying to take him out, and then the the Trump people in the state abandoning him in the general election is not a recipe for success in the general. Right. Well, that's that, that's the thing is when you have an August primary like that, the Republicans always have enough money to put back into it, but t- repairing the crazy Republican ba- uh, Trump base yeah. and getting them back on Flake's team. That takes some time. Here's a, here's a sort of a state of the union as to where we are with the whole Jeff Flake versus Donald Trump thing because there's so much now about the wall that Mexico is going to pay for, but now Mexico is not going to pay for and we're going to pay for it, but if we don't pay for it, we might shut the government down. Uh, Jeff Flake gave this comment yesterday about the wall. This notion of a 2,000-mile wall has always been just for anybody who spends time on the border, just a bit out there. And this is, I think, such an interesting little uh, dynamic that will sort of apply itself over and over and over and over and over again throughout the presidency of Donald Trump because uh, we saw this happen with Trump care, right? It wasn't the Democrats that shut this down. It was the Republicans. Yeah. And granted, that was that steaming pile of non-real legislation sure. was the congressional Republicans legislation that Trump was like just pass anything and that was what they came up with as opposed to the wall which even like is actually completely unfeasible uh, so I mean like I, I think that like this whole Trump care thing is I mean easier branding for Democrats but is a bit of a misnomer this is Ryan care yeah. and I think you know the the, the smart Democrats and, and the smart Republicans I'm talking to the one the Republicans who are most worried about this election are saying what we're going to end up doing is in these better educated uh, you know suburban swing districts we're going to end up owning Trump and in these downscale districts that Democrats used to compete really well in that have gone very hard for Trump and you know we lost in the last couple of cycles we're going to end up owning Ryan. And they're going to end up owning the policies of Paul Ryan and the personality mm-hmm. problems of Donald Trump. And that can be a toxic combination. Oh, man. What, one can only hope. Donald Trump tweeting again this morning. This is from earlier in the day. This isn't a new one. Uh, if Senate Republicans don't get rid of the filibuster rule and go to a 51% majority, few bills will be passed. Eight Dems control the Senate. He tweeted about this again yesterday. He 
don't I don't think he understands what's happening with the legislation. I don't think he really grasps. I, I'm pretty sure someone has told him that no, sir, it's not that you can't control your own party. It's it's the Democrats. They've filibustered. And he's he's caught on to this and seized on to it with, for dear life. Despite it, that the fact that it's just not true. Not true at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I I sometimes wonder how much of this is him not understanding versus him just saying what he finds most convenient. Uh, and honestly, I don't know in some of these cases, but you didn't need – there was no filibustering of the health care bill. You just needed 51. You just needed to get over that little – that little hump, and you had the the, the vote. I mean, you had the uh, majority yeah. to do it, and, and you couldn't get it done. The same with his his nominees. He keeps talking about how Democrats are blocking all his nominees, and yeah, they're slow walking some of these. But you only need fifty. You only need fifty. You don't even need fifty one because Mike Pence swoops in and vote breaks right. the tie on any of these. So, uh, and you might not even need quite that many because Bob Menendez is going to be tied up in trial up in New Jersey over the next two months. This man is a professional. You segued exactly where I wanted to go. You've written about the Bob Menendez trial, which I think a lot of us forget is still going on. or, or is Just still, about to get rolling, yeah. the thing that's out there. Um, where where are we with that? That's about to kick off, huh? Uh, somewhere between the second and third circle of hell for Bob Menendez. It seems like. <laughs> this not is, good. This is not good for him. I mean, and I think he, he might have gotten a huge break last year. I think it was last year the Supreme Court ruled that the Bob McDonald corruption trial like didn't meet their standards for proving corruption, that there was a quid pro quo. Uh, and so he might be able to get off on the Supreme Court's very low definition, which basically means that almost any politician can't be actually charged with corruption and have it stick anymore. Mm. Uh, but it's not going to be a fun process for him. And uh, he, you know, I, I don't know how I'm, I'm not a legal expert. I'm not a legal scholar. This does not look great when he was helping the, this billionaire uh, eye surgeon backer of his from Florida. Uh, it looks like he, he helped him with some major things that were specific to this guy, including helping him secure visas for three of his college-aged foreign girlfriends. And Don't all, see the problem. And also yeah. he, helping him with, with a, a foreign a Dominican Republican uh, port contract. Uh, while Where taking are you going to get the girls? <laughs> huge amounts of money. I'm going to let you guys make the jokes on this. I don't want to get any legal trouble. Um, but it's really and and if he is and if he loses this case and this case looks like it's probably going to be wrapped up around Thanksgiving, maybe a little earlier. Happy Chris, holidays, Chris Christie. <laughs> Chris Christie, baby, is still sitting governor of New Jersey and gets to pick Menendez's replacement if he's forced out of office before the end of the year, which gives Republicans an extra seat in the Senate. It, I think Menendez can hang on. I, I think Menendez can hang on. It's also, I believe, the New Jersey rules are that you have to pick from the same party. No, are you are you sure on that? Because I think that. <laughs> I may be wrong, but it's my work in New Jersey, I'm pretty sure you have to pick from the same party. Um, so you can't actually empower Chris Christie to take the Senate seat. Uh, according to all of my reporting and every New Jersey person I talked to the last two weeks. I'm going to go with you then. Um, this is, yeah. Uh, it's very problematic. And I mean, granted, the last Senate Democrat to go to prison was a New Jersey Democrat who managed to hang on for 10 months until they forced a vote. I don't think Mitch McConnell is going to be quite that patient. No, uh, I think probably the, the, <laughs> you don't if, think, huh? If, if if this is, you know, you you put a felon next to Menendez's name rather than a Democrat next to Menendez's name, I think that uh, the most likely scenario is not that Menendez necessarily gets 
forced out and Republicans get the seat for a year, but that Democrats in these red states deal with a lot of pain trying to say, well, why, why aren't you voting to remove this felon? And then they're going to have to make this awkward argument of, well, we're, we're trying to let the will of the people reflect and and look, we just elected a Democratic governor. We think it's proper to wait until he's in office to appoint the next guy. Uh, but I am sure that having talked to Republicans that they are ready to cut a why when are you returning Bob, you know Bob Menendez's donations because he was a major Democratic donor and and we used to run the DSCC uh, you, why you know pictures of these guys together in digital ads uh, it, it's going to be an unpleasant thing for some of these Democrats even if they're saying they're ready to vote to remove him from office man you know it's it's uh... and that assumes he is found guilty and if he's not found guilty. Even if he gets off on a technicality, he's still got to win in 2018. If they're having to spend any money in New Jersey as opposed to a place like West Virginia, that ain't helpful either. Ooh, man, that's that's not good. No. No, that's just bad all the way around. What's best case scenario here? <laughs> I guess, like, just to give some people a little ray of, uh, of hope here. <laughs> I mean, best case scenario for the Democrats, I think, is probably Bob Menendez. Uh, gets ushered to the sidelines. He gets through this. Democrats manage to... That this t- trial takes a little longer than expected. Yeah, uh, de- Democrats managed to just buckle down for two months until Chris Christie's out of office in mid-January, and they appoint somebody and hope everyone forgets about this, which happens a lot. If you didn't notice with the Supreme Court fight or the fact that Republicans didn't seat Al Franken for six months and paid no political price for this, so people have pretty short memories. Mm-hmm. But. This isn't a helpful thing in the short term for Democrats, and they anytime they're not talking about Donald Trump is a wasted day for them right now. Uh, I referenced this earlier. I want to come back to it, the the wall fight, the fight over the wall, because yesterday Sarah Huckabee Sanders got a question about this at the White House press briefing, and she talked about the will we pay for it, won't we pay for it, will Mexico pay for it? Here's what she said. He's committed to protecting American lives, and doing that through the border wall is something that's important. It's a priority, and we're moving forward with it. Noah? But he's not saying that Mexico is going to pay for it. He hasn't said they're not either, Noah. By the way, I'm I'm fairly sure he has said they're not going to pay for it. Like He said we're going to pay for it, and then they'll reimburse us. Yeah, we're fighting over paying for the wall now. Like, that's that's, that's this latest fight, right? I mean, this is an actual... uh, uh, the realm of reality. Yeah. Yeah, that's an actual reality. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. Donald Trump people get tied so so into knots because he gets so furious if they contradict anything he said, even though he's contradicted himself 17 times. So On everything. I mean, I frankly think Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a very good spokesperson. I think she's effective, sure. For a he hasn't said they're not either. <laughs> I mean, it's just she's in a position she's where- She's a talented like, liar. It's it's hard to cover for, for a man who just is, is all over the place. I mean, you, you saw- uh, she said on the plane on the way out to Arizona, like he's not pardoning uh, Joe Arpaio, uh, and, and then he's like, "Well, uh, not yet. He's going to be fine. And, Prediction: He's going to be just fine." Yeah. He essentially said he's going to pardon Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Um, yes. <laughs> so this is a tricky thing. I, I'm, I don't envy her job. That's not a tough. That's not an easy position to be in. But yeah, I, look. If we actually get to a point where we're shutting down the government because Donald Trump wants wall money, yeah, Democrats are fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the I love the Democrats fighting back. Uh, did you see that earlier this week? Where uh, oh, like their their shutdown threat? They're holding Donald. Well, the, the the Democrats put out this statement to hold Donald Trump accountable because he's going back on his word to build the wall. Like Democrats are trying to make it a bad thing that he's not building the wall. 
He promised to get the wall built, and now he's not going to do it. It's like that 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 tweet, that viral tweet that was like, "We want to privatize all prisons," and liberals were like, "Hire female bodyguards or hire female prison uh, guards." Right? Like they just missed the point altogether. Man, yesterday we were talking about priorities of this Trump administration, but I'm beginning to think maybe we should talk about the Democrats' priorities. Maybe. Well, maybe. So I'm going to speak up in defense of the Democrats. Okay, sure. As someone who, you know, works on a lot of campaigns yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it, you got a there's, <laughs> there's this belief that the Democrats is a monolith, that it's a party controlled by the DNC. The DNC, who put out this incredibly stupid statement yeah. on the wall, doesn't actually have power in the party. I know. The the party is run by a few committees, but it's mostly run by a consulting class and the individual candidates. It is much more freeform than the Republican side. So there are problems, very big messaging problems that come from a lot of these organizations. But as a group, what I see every single day in races all across the country is people are talking about health care. Yeah. Democrats are talking about DACA. They're talking about jobs. They're talking about t- taxes, too, now. Um, these are what people on the ground are focused on. You're so right. I don't want to put I totally too much. I totally get that. I totally get that. I don't want to put too just, much emphasis on a stupid press release. The optics are bad. That's the my, optics that's are my point. stupid. Um, hey, that's all the time we have for today. Cameron Joseph, senior political correspondent for Talking Points Memo. Thank you so much for coming in. Next time you come in, I hope you'll be sitting in this chair hosting the show. Sounds awesome As you've to done me. in the past. Uh, a quick note, folks. Remember, you can get the podcast on iTunes, Bill Press Show. Go check that out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And also, we say farewell to Rachel Pekarski, who has been filling in here for the last couple of weeks. Ray Rogers, who you know, uh, is has been out. She had a baby. But she's going to be coming back on Monday. And a sincere note of thanks to Rachel Pekarski, who's been handling a lot of our video production and a lot of our social media stuff, uh, who stepped in and did a very, very Keeping me job. under control. Keeping, she's control. been in there with Jamie, and yeah. frankly, folks, thank you, I think Rachel. we can all agree that Jamie's done a great job while she's been here. Absolutely. Rachel, we'll miss you. Thank you very much uh, for your great, great work. Folks, my name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today with Jonathan Levy. Thanks to our guest today, Jane O'Donnell from USA Today, Elizabeth Weidra from the Constitutional Accountability Center, and Cam Joseph from Talking memo have a magical weekend we'll see you on this is the bill press show